am I right in presuming that you're feeling a bit more cheery about football in general? I'd just like to apologise to you and the listeners for my um, Marvin the Paranoid Android Act last week. <laughs> well, I did call you that, didn't I? Um, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it was all very depressing. And then uh, uh, Tom's internet fell over and your microphone fell over. And then <laughs> I was unable to actually tweet it out without making mistakes. So I tweeted the damn thing out about five or six times. So uh, <laughs> cock up all round last week. But we're back and uh, you sound much better. And it's a good job we weren't. We didn't start recording this one at half time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really is because what if a we just chow that was in the first half, but it, uh, they, you know, game of two halves and all that. Was this a game of two halves or what? Um, we had an email about last week's show. It was, it was titled "After a Long Wait" from Richard Cook. Uh, I tried to reply to the email, in which case I wouldn't be reading it out on the show, but the email address didn't work. It says, after a long wait, this is the content of the episode. Your moaning about Mourinho was like reading the Daily Mail's comment section. I'm pretty sure we didn't say anything racist. Um, At some point, I just skipped 20 minutes ahead to have you get on with it. How about analysing the Liverpool game instead of playing the manager soap opera game? How do you know we didn't do that in the 20 minutes that you skipped? (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I've listened to you for a long time, but this was one of the worst episodes. Fair enough. I can't disagree entirely with that. Anyway, I tried to reply to Richard. Uh, Dear Richard, after a long time without an email, this is one of the worst emails we've ever got from you. It just moans about Paul and Ed moaning about Mourinho. It's like the Daily Mail comment section. How about sending an email analysing a podcast you enjoyed instead of the this was a bad episode soap opera? I had to skip a paragraph. I've been getting emails for a long time, but this wasn't a good one. No, but fair enough. I, I actually highly agree with Richard that was a terrible episode but thank you to the people that got in touch uh, so you, to wish you, me you well. think about feedback to the the populace I, I, I tried replying too I, I just wrote sorry not sorry <laughs> the thing is I would have done that had I not been actually sorry about the content of last week's episode because it was particularly miserable and I don't think I said anything I haven't listened back but I don't think I said anything that I would necessarily disagree with this time out but let's not focus on moaning about us. Um, the, I mean, how was that? That was like watching, you know, Manchester United play football. I, well, yeah. Uh, well, am I allowed to moan a bit about Mourinho? <laughs> well, because... It doesn't matter whether you're allowed to or not. One hundred percent, you're going to. Look, I just, I just, I'm going to take this linearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. We start from the the team selection, you know, so uh, Mata dropped uh, for Herrera, moved to a three. Of course, we've talked a lot about moving to a three this season Mm -hmm. um, in order to get the best out of our best player, Paul Pogba, um, how it liberates him. uh, Perhaps playing two defensive midfielders would do that. In fact, we talked on last week's episode about maybe that would mean sacrifice for Mata, Mata being sacrificed or whatever, you know. the, uh, the, The equation comes down to someone losing out in order to do that, so... Um, I, you know, I'm not gonna. Uh, well, I'm gonna sound a bit like a hypocrite for saying when I looked at the team sheet, I thought, "Oh fuck, here we go." Um, here's some Mourinho ball coming up, and it really did feel like that in the first half. United had like you know 30 possession in the first half, um, apart from about the first 45 seconds or so when we put a few passes together. It was all City, and they were just carving us open. Um, uh, it had total control of the game. United didn't have a shot on goal at all. Um, obviously, City went two up. Uh, it might be more than that, but for uh, a few spectacular misses. And uh, and it was everything we feared. Not only United getting a sound beating by City, City seemed nailed on to win the title against us in their home ground. Um, and we were really meek. So that's the money yeah. out of the way. And I don't know whether it's because Mourinho decided to change or there was no choice but to go for it. It felt a bit like the, the Palace game in that respect, didn't it? You know, No choice but to push forward. And, and United didn't. All of a sudden, we looked bloody good, you know, and you know, kicked a few blues and a Herrera in the middle of the shithousery as always. But uh, Ashley Young doing a good job on that one too. Uh, got a, quite a lot of luck with the referee. You know, there's a there's a good shout for a couple of penalties. Haven't gone the other way, um, and uh, just complete transformation from the Mourinho ball in the first half to, to, as you say, looking like Manchester United. Yeah, I mean the the first half, you know, until they scored, we didn't look meek. 
you know, like I, in fact, literally um, the moment the goal was going in, I was sending you and Tom a message saying we actually look quite competent on the ball. And then they like scored almost literally as I was typing that. Um, that might have been even the moment the second goal went in. When the second goal went in, they just collapsed. And that was, it was really worrying. And like you said, spectacular messes, misses. I mean, um, hashtag thank you, Raheem. Like Mourinho owes him a bunch of flowers because he had that that first chance he had immediately after City had gone 2-0 and Silva slipped him through and he was one-on-one with De Gea dead centre of the penalty area. That one, you thought, well, at least De Gea is going to have to make a wonder save. Um to make this happen. And, and, you know, we obviously we were all preoccupied with the notion of City winning the league against us at their ground. They would have been, I think, record, it would have been the record earliest anyone's ever won the Premier League, which would have been, you know, a bit of a shame. Um, but particularly that, um, the thing that was really hurting by the end of the set, first half was um, that United were not just losing to City to give them the league title, but being humiliated by City to give them the league title. And instead, instead, we got our best players totally transform the game. Like, that's the dream, right? Alexis, 10 out of 10 second half from Alexis Sanchez, a player I've been uh, relentlessly critical of who I never really wanted at United, but my goodness, did this show what he can bring, especially in how well he linked up with a resurgent and magnificent Paul Pogba. Yeah. I mean, even even so, the second half was um, the best of Mourinho ball, wasn't it? It was it was still playing on the break. United did not have much possession, uh, but just very, very effective. I mean, four shots on target in total in the game, three goals. Um, but this is this is the this I guess this is the archetype of what Mourinho would like to build um, and thinks he could, I suppose. Uh, and uh, and it, and it was great to watch. It's not. Um, I don't know. That's the type of football that Manchester United have seen much of down the years. Uh, that sort of you know counter punching style of football um, as a plan A. Uh, but if it brings results like that, of course everyone's going to be happy. Um, but you know a little bit of luck involved as well. Raheem Sterling kept missing and missing and missing. Trevor Noah of the Daily Show says that if anyone ever sends an assassin after me, I hope they send Raheem Sterling. It's like ouch. Um, he was, of course, very good for England in the international break. Raheem Sterling and scored over twenty goals this season. So, you know, he's not the uh, he's not the player to mock that he once was. He's a, he's a very very fine footballer indeed. And, oh, no um, doubt. And and we got a bit lucky there. Uh, yeah, I just looked up the XG three point two four to City, one point two four to Man United. Apparently, um, that's from Paul Carr. That XG Sterling one point one five XG on his four shots. Um, uh, the thing about that, though, is although that might indicate that City, uh, with their 20 shots to United f- 5, deserved the win, th- this is where, yep, that that you wouldn't want to surrender a 2-0 lead at half-time to Man City. Like, the whole thing about statistics in football is what they tell you is what would be likely to happen if this was a repeatable oh, sure. series yeah, of it's circumstances. A it's a model, it's a model, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, so, well, one thing we did see, like, look, so two ways Pep's size has spectacularly fallen apart, especially in the Champions League over the last few years, um, have either someone presses really high and it's the kind of Gengen pressing heavy metal football style thing that we saw from Liverpool in midweek. Um, or a team plays on the break, you know, and think about his Barcelona side capitulating to Bayern and uh, and, uh, and his Bayern side capitulating to Barcelona, was it? <laughs> it might be in that way around. Um, uh, or Real. Real, I think it was. And uh, and, and those are the two models. And I, I guess that's what Mourinho was thinking when, he, you know, he was asked in the press conference before the game, um, did the Liverpool game teach you anything? Of course, everyone, everywhere else is going, yes, absolutely. This is this is how you beat a City side. You press them high, you put them under pressure uh, and you relentlessly attack. Don't sit back because you're going to have 20% possession. Um, and he was like, no. And I assume he means he, he was planning to try... Uh, playing football on the break, which only happened after the 50th minute. But boy, did it happen then. And, you know, this was this was like beyond 
this was a beautiful moment of football being beyond any of the rest of the story. So, yep, there is a time for sure for us to discuss, you know, what it means to the big picture and blah, 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 and all that kind of... And, you know, we, we've talked a lot last week about the big picture and how it's pretty ropey at the moment. But this was an example of football being above and beyond the big picture because the, the experience of watching that game will be, you know, we will live with all of us for such a long time because that second half was magnificent. And, you know, from a sort of... Like, Paul Pogba is one of those players who I, 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 I can, there's been plenty of completely valid criticisms of him. Um, I get very defensive about him because I think some of the criticisms are, un, are invalid and also some of the criticisms are really ugly in their kind of essential origin. But there's no doubt he's been struggling and he was just wonderful. It, like, you know, this was... This was a game he turned on its head. So um, the first goal, I mean, just wonderful play all around. A bit like the Swansea, first goal against Swansea last week. Just really excellent passing and move. I mean, very much a goal City could have scored at the other end. Alexis, really direct. Pogba was talking about, um, he was interviewed by Thierry Henry in a hastily thrown together segment uh, that was designed to fill the time that they were uh, going to show City winning the league on Sky Sports. Um, but instead, Henry interviewed Pogba and he asked him what he was thinking in that moment. And Pogba said, um, I know Alexis is direct, so um, I just thought to break beyond. And because we're playing in a three, I'm safe to kind of break into the box. Um, and so Alexis... Uh, cut the ball across to Ander Herrera and a moment to mention Ander Herrera's chest pass. Like, Ander Herrera does a good line in chest passes, but there was a chest through ball, which we like to see. That is the kind of thing we like to see. And Pogba's finish, lifting it over the keeper, could easily have kind of hit that along the ground or whatever. Just everything about that goal was brilliantly executed. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Guillaume Balagay, um, uh, Duncan Castle's nemesis, <laughs> uh, it says the difference between first and second in the Premier League table is being reflected at the Etihad today, to be honest. Hmm. Spoke too soon, Guillaume. <laughs> oh, was that at half time? Uh, I'm guessing so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, look, um, excellent first goal for United, that is, you know, to get it mm-hmm. back to 2 1. Um, night, you know, very nice bit of, bit of play, which we hadn't seen much of in the. Th- in the final third, had we? You know, Alexis involved, Herrera's chest down, Pogba's nice pin- finish. Uh, even better second goal, though. Uh, I mean, that header from Pogba is monster. And, um, you know, talk about the freedom he gets in a three. It's, uh, you know, and I've had a debate about this with a few people on Twitter, a few, you know, a few friends. And um, I think a few people have said things like, well, look, he hasn't really performed there. So... So, you know, this is nonsense. But for me, that's not even the argument that he performs better in a three or better in a two or whatever it is. It's, you know, are you more likely to get the best out of Pogba when he has that freedom and protection behind him or less likely, Mm. you know? And he's the best player in the team. Uh, And you want to get the most out of your weapons. You know, it's like, it's not like um, you'd say to Cristiano Ronaldo, well, you're playing down the left side, you better do a bit of defending. Uh, an argument yeah. Mourinho lost with Ronaldo, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that that's for me is it. This is why you you make a sacrifice elsewhere on the balance of things to get Pogba yep. into more advanced positions more often. And then you don't have to make those sacrifices at home against Swansea. You can play him in a two and a bunch of attackers, and he can still get forward. Maybe not as much, but plenty. And you don't need him as much, and you you kind of keep the rest of your attackers a bit happier that second goal I could cry thinking about that second goal just the it's it's sort of moving to me just he's had so much stick and like I said some of it has been completely deserved in a way although I think there's a pretty solid argument to say there's there are understandable external reasons for his lack of form um but the ball from Alexis is completely magnificent so again quoting Pogba's interview with Henri he said um it's Michael Carrick that's been telling him to make those runs which very interesting Michael Carrick having an influence in coaching um well someone's got a coach attacking movement in our team right um uh but anyway Michael Carrick told him to make those runs he Alexis apparently tells him to make those runs because he's gonna he will see you 
what Alexis said to Pogba. And then um, it just worked perfectly. And that's our, our kind of two best players on the pitch. Well, two of our, our two best outfield players on the pitch combining. And like you said, the, the technique for that header... That is, not, I mean, he gets in a brilliant position and it's a brilliant ball, but there's a lot of work left to do. I mean, one of the reasons United's XG was relatively low is because that would not have been a massive XG chance. Uh, right, right, very true, yeah. A um, uh, bunch of great tweets from United players, of course, after the game. Play for the shirt, we fight till the end, says uh, Jesse Lingard. Yeah. My, my man, Jesse. Heck yes. Uh, uh, people like Jesse Lingard these days. Have you noticed that? I love it. I'm, 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 I'm happy to welcome any and all Jesse Lingard bandwagon jumpers. That's we fine. have yeah, room we, on we, the bus for all yeah, of us. We, we accept your apologies as well. Uh, <laughs> Timothy Fosamensa tweets, just a red ball. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Rio Ferdinand tweets, United. <laughs> Blood all over his face. I'm not sure it came, well, it almost came to that because it got a bit tasty, didn't it? It uh, certainly the did. Half. I mean, Ander Herrera Hazari is just beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I'd hate him if he was an opposition player. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> you know, so diving, rolling around, screaming. At, at two all, I was really thinking about the 3 2 in 2012, December 2012, the Van Persie goal. Because in that game, United had battered City in the first half and were 2-0 up at half-time. Then City had really got back into it to make it 2-all. And then we won in the last minute. So when it was 2-all, I was thinking, oh no, are they going to win in the last minute? Is this going to be like a perfect retribution of the karmic circle? But no, it was not, in fact, because there was more to come from United. And the man who, who was kind of like embarrassingly bullied for company's goal... Uh, from the first corner, redemption all over. Chris Smalling always at his best when he doesn't have to achieve his redemption through defending um, with a fine finish. <laughs> yeah, it's shocking defending for company's goal. I mean, he's with him and he just lets him go. I mean, company gives him a little... I'm not, I don't mean like it should have been a foul or anything, but company did very, very well. Like he made a little bit of space, like he shoved Smalling off him at the very beginning of the move and then really kind of out-muscled him. Um, it's not like Smalling wasn't trying, he was just failing. So yeah, uh, in the build-up to the game, there'd been a, a, an absolutely extraordinary press conference with Pep Guardiola uh, and, and a bunch of bitching on Twitter from journalists complaining about embargoes being broken and other nonsense like that. I was like, hmm, this was all over YouTube, mate. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, in which he uh, claimed that Pogba had uh, been offered to City by Mino Raiola um, and Mkhitaryan, uh, which doesn't surprise us because, you know, Raiola is always after his um, next payday, isn't he? Uh, Pogba tweeted back, uh, say what? <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm surprised he didn't give that to the crowd today. To be honest, I'm, after I mean, he kind he kind of did. He did a little bit of hand mouth movement when I think they're celebrating the second goal. And then at the end, Guardiola um, kind of went up to him and he was like talking to him for quite a long time. And then like Pub was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then Pub walked off towards the United crowd and I think kind of pointed back at Guardiola and shook his head. Now I might, I might be, <laughs> I might be a little bit seeing what I want to see here, but then he definitely did a bit of badge tapping. Although I think as off as he often does accidentally, accidentally tap the Adidas badge instead of the United badge. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan Soff uh, on Twitter says, uh, yes, we lost, but can you answer me one question? Why did Alex Ferguson offer me the Manchester United job at half time with a picture of Pep Guardiola? <laughs> Um, yeah very good <laughs> that's very funny um yeah there was a brilliant moment in the, the jeff shreves interview with Pep guardiola afterwards where uh shreves asked him about the starting 11 and guardiola just looked at him like deflated and like oh this this sap still doesn't understand me and he says why do you ask me about the starting 11 are you judging this on the result was the performance not good and you know i, I can you can see his frustration in that sense because obviously city were more than good enough to win the match for large swathes of that game i don't think the fact that they didn't have de bruyne aguero all that kind of stuff i mean obviously it had a factor in the game um but they they 
they didn't feel like a weakened side, did they? Because really, the vulnerabilities United took advantage of are the ones that are there when they're playing their full-strength team because it's they are vulnerable to those defensive flurries, aren't they? Yeah, look, as with all Mourinho victories, it's one in the detail, not the strategy. So um, this was a game that United won in the details. You just look at the numbers alone without the goals and you'd have just assumed City won this comfortably. Um, so uh, United have, have taken uh, advantage, scored some fine goals, uh, got a bit of luck. Um, uh, another wonder save from David De Gea. Uh, the, the reflexes on that one where he tips over the bar is just ridiculous. Um, but he does that every week, so you know maybe uh, maybe we shouldn't be surprised at that. Um, so you know this is. Um, I think I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go too far with this result and say hey we're suddenly back in no. a one-off game City rattled last week rested a couple of players don't think it was a huge man difference but you know clearly some key players Gabriel Jesus Jesus um Kevin De Bruyne um and and the first half I guess is how we probably expected the game to go um and United have, have hit City on the break and suckered them uh, and won you know not quite as funny as the Arsenal game uh, but much more enjoyable, obviously, because it was, yeah. it was to stop City at their place and to stop them winning the league. And and it, it you know it showed a degree of character. This is something that I I th- I can't even remember if I said this last week, but I definitely thought it halfway through, like one of our four hour moans about Mourinho last week. Is there is something to be said for how much character United have shown recently against Chelsea, against Crystal Palace, against Liverpool to some extent, and definitely against City. There has been remarkable character shown. And the one thing we really have to say about the details is. You know, this whole thing about United against the top six and Mourinho against the top six has to go right out of the window because this season he's beaten them all. You know, there's no one in the top six that Mourinho hasn't beaten this season. And, yeah, we could say, like, if you add up the XG of all of those performances, it does not look great (laughs) for United, but we won those games. And that that He's got more goals than the total sum of the XG in all those games. But, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, today, that is. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Look, he's he's Mourinho-balled it to to a few wins. But, absolutely, this is is his, his style. We shouldn't be surprised about it. Um, it's uh, the thing with that style is when he isn't Mourinho balling it to victory, it's really deeply ugly, and then he's mm. a really deeply ugly person too, um, which is kind of a perfect storm of pissing people off. But uh, today, that's exactly what Mourinho wants. Exactly that. Yeah. So I mean, really, just the most fun I've had watching United all season that second half. Um, as much fun as any of those four nils, more fun than most of them. It is, obviously it's in large part, it is, this is the reverse situation. This is like, you know, for years we were the, like City season was defined by whether they beat us or not. And it's not that, it's, it's, it, it was seen that United are still capable of that or, or rather are capable of that again. You know, because it, uh, like I said, right at the beginning of all this, it really did feel like United that that second half, and and not just in terms of okay, it's a comeback, and that's almost like a cliche about what United are, but but something about the kind of collective belief, the the refusal to accept their inevitable fate, the fact that they recovered from that horrible meekness that they displayed in the first half and decided not to kind of shrink into themselves but to impose themselves and show the quality of football that they're able to produce. And the fact that all three of the goals were really fine goals. You know, it was it was a very enjoyable half of football and obviously it was vital to stop them. I mean, like vital in terms of the fact that it's very good that we stopped them winning the league in front of our very eyes. And but more than anything else, it was just a football match that it was an awful lot of fun to see your team right. win. Right, and and also look, praise for the referee as well, Martin Atkinson. Generally, <laughs> over the years, I thought he was a complete, <laughs> but today he got it spot on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was really like we were getting a lot of little niggly fouls given to us, um, and I was like, is this what is this really happening? You know. Uh, are the Premier League trying to just maintain interest for a few more weeks? Is that is that what's happening here? Uh, very good. Yeah. Um, well, that was fun. Uh, what, yeah. what does that mean for the the title? When when does City win it? Because that's actually that victory means they can't win it with the next game, can they? Assuming United don't lose at home to West Brom, the worst team in the league. 
yeah, I think I think that that's the situation because obviously they would have won because they'd have it'd have been a six point swing in their favour, but instead it's a six point swing in our favour. So they've got to wait a couple of weeks to win the league, basically. Good. Yeah, that's nice. I just had a look at the league table. They play Spurs away next, I think. So never know. Might might be uh, might take it into May. Squeaky bum on, time could come. You know they're crumbling. Pep's losing I, it. I was on the full time Devils preview of the game this week, and that was a, a running theme uh, from some members of the panel. That yeah, that's City were going to collapse and we were going to win the league. I'm pretty sure it was a joke. Um, pretty yeah, City sure. have cityed it up. If if City managed to lose it from here, it would be even better than the time that they uh, were playing it into the corner um, uh, at 1-1, uh, thinking they only had to draw to save themselves from relegation. Um, the thing is, they're not going to lose it from here. Not. But uh, Absolutely not. The, but, you know, hey, the, it's the hope that kills you. Worth a word about the, the Champions League performance. I, I have to say I was slightly surprised. Um, I mean, not necessarily surprised that Liverpool could score three against them because they just scored four the other week. Um but I was slightly surprised by how effectively Liverpool's defence stopped them creating really big chances and, and how uh, City's forwards really just like made the wrong decision or like got their final pass slightly wrong a lot in the final third. It was, interesting. It was an interesting and surprising game in a lot of ways. I mean, I have to say, I'm not sure I'm totally convinced that that tie is dead and buried. No, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I'm not sure Liverpool can play that way. Away from home. We'll, we'll see. Maybe they will. Um, Pep said before that game that Liverpool have the perfect style to play City. And it is true. It's it's one of the two styles that um, Pep teams have struggled against historically. But Liverpool's defence has not been great this season, has it? And it, it's normally, um, normally you're able to get at them. And City had a lot of the ball in that one, as, as you'd expect. And mm, still weren't yeah. able to create enough chances. <laughs> anyway, Tim Pot competition. Let's not talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, not interested in that. The FA Cup's where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone knows that. Oldest tournament Uh, in football. Arsenal know that. Um, And new Arsenal, a.k.a. us. Nah, come on. Nah, come on. Um, Should we take some Twitter questions? I've got one, actually, that's coming via Facebook from Anonymous, saying that they were too cowardly. I don't do Facebook. They were were saying they were too cowardly to reply to your tweet, Um, but they basically said, imagine if we had a manager at Paul Pogba's level, though. (laughs) <laughs> ouch ouch um yeah let's uh let's uh let's take some questions uh chris uh etchingham 77 friend of the pod scouser yeah. obviously feeling bold uh what the fuck question mark uh yeah well you know if if anyone knows that um three goals past city is entirely achievable in a short space of time it should be a liverpool fan right Tarek Amir, Le False number 12, says, who oh. should Mino Rayola tout next? Chris <laughs> Morning. friend of the site. Yes, get Chris Morning in Mourinho, in Mino Rayola's books. Do we have any other Rayola clients now? No, we've just got one, I think. It's, it's just Pogba, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, Chris Morning uh, side-footing a volley home from two yards out. Yeah, like I said, Chris Morning always able to make up for, I mean, always like more likely to achieve redemption through attack than defence. I mean, we've got to upgrade Chris Morning. Right, we, we, if we want to be really challenging, we had a little good bit of form again um, for a little bit, but this season as a whole, I think has pretty am- amply demonstrated that Chris Morning shouldn't really be heavily involved in Manchester United's future. Yeah, no, I, I think that's uh, I think that's fair. Upgrade required, and perhaps I'll give Mourinho the confidence to um, let his uh, let the horses run freely. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, Man United is a hell of a drug, right? Asks James Bonser on Twitter. <laughs> James, I couldn't agree more. Um, and also, I hope you're looking forward to WrestleMania. I can't believe Daniel Bryan's coming back. So, so a few questions about the. Uh, I don't do wrestling, as we've discussed. No. I, I, I like know. proper punchy. I was just, I was, I was sneaking it in for James. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have to edit that one out, Tom, I think. <laughs> uh, why can't we play uh, like that in the second half more often? Performances like the first half seem too common. Ask uh, Sid Ars Sycamore, uh, Sid4695, um, Bjorn Win- Why Genius. Bjorn Why Genius? Is that really how? He's- well, maybe. Um, is it possible to hire a first half manager? Uh, if so, who should it be? <laughs> Theme here. Theme. I mean, I don't know whether United have really performed better in the second half than the first this season, but certainly recently, the Palace game and this game 
a complete turnaround um, in performance after United were down. Um, is, is that a thing? Do we need to go down to kick out the backside? Is it the thing that has to spark Mourinho into uh, you know, loosening up the tactics a bit more? Well, it's interesting because I, I didn't really have any complaints with that first eleven. I mean, that that was I, I wanted to see a three in midfield. I wanted to see two giving Pogba the freedom to. I'd rather have seen um, Pogba as the third man in a midfield than Mata in a four-two-three-one with Pogba and Matic in attack or Pogba dropped. You know, I, so I, I was kind of happy under those circumstances. Obviously, I'm always sad if Martial neither Martial nor Rashford's in the starting eleven. But other than that. And, and given the circumstances, Lingard was there. It was, you know, I thought it was a good starting eleven. Um, There's just something about, and and the first twenty minutes weren't that bad. It was it was that they kind of completely capitulated when they conceded, which that is not a new thing. That is something that this United side have been doing for a while. It was just really, it's in fact, it's really nice that we've now gone from the point where that capitulation would then continue into the second half to actually we we decapitulate that's not a word well it is now you make any word up you like fair enough yeah um i mean i'll come back to this i don't i don't want to sound like uh, i'm on a downer about this because you know I, I really do think this is a game that was about details not not the overall big picture. I mean, United had something like 240 successful passes. That's probably one of the lowest totals in any game in the league this season. I, I don't have the data to hand, but it's going to be among the very lowest. Um, and four shots on target. You know, this this is the essence of Mourinho ball. This is um, being able to do it from the from the moments, not the strategy. So, you know, there are loads of good things. That, United won, scored some fine goals, some great performances from Sanchez and Pogba um, and others, balancing right in the second half. The spirit of coming back is all great. Um, but, you know, the, the thing about XG is it's a, it is a model. And if you played that again, game again over and over again, I don't think there's too often, too many times, if you played exactly that game 10 times that United will win. So, um, I, you know, that's why I'm saying I'm not sure I can read too much into that game. It's, it's great, fantastic, don't get me wrong. Thoroughly enjoyed um, watching United beat City and City players losing their heads and, and uh, making City wait for it. Uh, mm. But there has to be more for United to actually win a league. Uh, and how do you build on performances like that and take that? You know, I'm not sure you can play that way and win a league. When's the last counter-attacking team that won the Premier League? Don't remember one. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't it Chelsea three seasons ago, wasn't it Leicester? Yeah, Leicester, Leicester. That's and true. Then I mean, the season before that, completely Chelsea. different style of counter attacking. They were direct. You know, they just went over the top. Yeah, Chelsea yeah. the season before that under Mourinho. Hmm. I don't think they're classic counter attacking side. That Chelsea side, they were quite dominant. Fair enough. Um, I haven't seen the numbers. A, a little shout out to a few people that have emailed in. Paolo Cruz sending a little video clip of Pogba like pointing at De Gea and I think saying numero uno, numero uno after the game and saying um, uh, uh, thank you. So thank you to Paolo Cruz for sending me that. He, he said Pogba speaks for all of us and indeed he does. Um, uh, shout out to Ryan Lockwood, uh, our friend from Chicago, who... Um, uh, says he went to the Chicago, the Chicago City supporters bar for today's match because he went there for for the Liverpool match too. So there's a, there is a, some nice correlation, not causation happening there. Uh, and a big shout out to um, Eric listening to us from Paris. So, oh, France, maybe not Paris. I might have assumed that part. Yeah, a uh, bunch of other questions. Um, Taylor Ben says, is Manchester red? Well, it is today. Uh, what mean, colour should Paul Pogba dye his hair next? Asks Atish J underscore J. Many Any colour he wants. Yeah, man. Red, though. It would be good to pull out like a real serious red after that one. Uh, Joey Mangini at Joey M underscore UX. Definitely a friend of the show. Definitely a friend of the show. Says, uh, oh, Paul's genital warts all cleared up now. Ah, hmm. oh, now, come on. You we don't talk about this the on the pod. We don't, the don't friend do... of the show status revoked. <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Now, nah, come on. 
Oh, it's better. Mike Smalling's winner or that Bercy woman thinking they'd equalised. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't spot that one. Yeah. That's got to be a gift somewhere. It's quite funny. The, the um, De Gea save, by the way, you've just kind of glitched, I mean, brushed over it as like we expect that from De Gea. But I mean, the only reason we expect it from De Gea is there's a literal superhero in our goal because that was an absolutely outstanding save. And the fact that he is goalkeeper enough that he didn't even push it away, but he got, he got enough, he was quick enough. A, a, a goal that most keepers would have been lucky to kind of palm out. He was quick enough to get to and twist over the bar. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, no, outstanding. Um, but we do see it every week. Yeah, um, we do. Yeah. His uh, uh, United's XG against is uh, way higher than it should be. So all the actual yeah. goals we've actually conceded, yeah. His, his uh, expected saves is just miles ahead. Anyway. Um, he is brilliant. Uh, when we see all the title on the final day, Arsa Nick Gilbert eighty six. Uh, will this top all our other league successes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yes, this would, would be the yeah. This would be the best one ever. And uh, one for me at the end. Uh, and this is a bit of a burn, but fair enough. Given my rant at half time, uh, who will Jose blame? Ed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well deserved. Very good. Have we got a game next week? We have got a game next week, haven't we? Uh, yeah, against uh, West Bromwich Albion. Managerless, rudderless, seriously cut adrift at the bottom of the table. Think giving Alan Pardew the job of manager is a good idea. West Bromwich Albion. Oh, I mean, they've got a draw today, so maybe yeah, things under- are on the up. But um, I, I just... Alan Pardew. I mean, he's he's gone diddly on, on, on. Can you imagine? I mean, I'll tell you what. West Bromwich Albion giving him the job was... Like, there was a little raft of them, wasn't there? Hodgson, Allardyce, Moyes and Pardew all got the job at the same time. And to me, maybe maybe because of my ridiculous biases and prejudices, I would have said West Ham giving Moyes the job was the worst appointment out of all of those. But really and truly, it was very obviously... Pardew getting that gig because Allardyce is functional. Hodgson has had a f- actually had like a pretty fine club career, and I'm not sure he belongs in the lumped in with all these dinosaurs bracket. Um, but Pardew is a total joke and should be considered as such. So West Brom giving him the job was bad. What's going to be really mad is if imagine now if a Premier League club gives him a job. It's not the thing about it is it's not inconceivable. No, That's right. so amazing. He's had about three wins in the last 60-odd games across four <laughs> clubs or something like that. I'm exaggerating. But uh, so West Brom 10 points away from safety and yeah. uh, they've got five games left. Well, West Brom are one and a bit months away from the championship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're definitely going down. Unfortunately, we can't relegate them because it's always funny. Um, but, uh, you know, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, just I, a terrible like decision. It, the timing's odd though. I mean, why sack Pardew now? I mean, they, they would have to win all five games and hope that Stoke, Southampton, Palace and Huddersfield do something disastrous. I believe they sacked loads of their board a few weeks before they sacked Pardew as well. So did, there's yeah. obviously a lot of instability going on at that club. Yeah. Well, um, which is they, a, they've which got is a um, shame. overseas backers, right? Maybe they'll pour the money in like uh, Wolves, who are going to replace them. West Brom's great rivals. <laughs> oh, that's going to smart, and that is going to smart. Although, like, is we talk about you know artifice in football and Chelsea and City and all that, but like, has there ever been a greater example of artifice in football than what's happening at Wolves at the moment? Yeah, right. Oh God, did you see? Uh, did you see the end of uh, the Wolves Cardiff game? No, I did not. I, you know, I don't watch a lot of championship football, but um, I uh, I saw all the clips go around. So Cardiff missed two penalties in the last couple of minutes. Wolves wow. win uh, one nil, and um, Neil Warnock, the Cardiff manager, is thoroughly pissed off um, and refuses to shake the hand um, of his counterpart. Uh, and not only does that, he, he turns around going, <laughs> 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 it's just uh, really classy. I, this has got to be a record for beeps for Tom. It's true. I'm very sorry, Tom. Keeping him busy. I've only used the F word, so you only really need to bleep one for everyone to get the uh, get the idea. Mm, is that how it works? I'm, yeah, I don't it does think now. That, uh, okay. So anyway, we're playing these uh, these total losers, West Brom, at home. Yeah. Which means uh, we'll probably switch it all up and play five at the back. 
<laughs> no, it, I mean, it, what it means is 4-2-3-1 is coming back. It's coming back. I mean, you would imagine maybe just a straight swap Mata, Herrera and the rest of the side is as it is and accept Martial. Although maybe, maybe because we've got in quick succession, we've got a game midweek away at Bournemouth and then another game at the weekend. Um, is it? The, it's not the Spurs game, is it, on the, the no, weekend after? The, uh, yeah, maybe. That's on the 21st. Yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah, so we're playing West Brom, and then hot on the heels of that, so you've got a week then before the the, the semi final, which is presumably the big. Now that that City game's out of the way, the semi final is the big one. Um, oh yeah, by, by the way, the thing we didn't mention about that, that City game is that is another three massive points for United season. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I mean, surely now done for the Champions League spots now with that, you know, can can rest players in the next two games. Uh, could could do that anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, m- must be very, very highly likely to get second, uh, and that that will that will justify a lot of what Mourinho's done, at least yeah. in Mourinho's mind. You know, and uh, I don't think he ever really sees the nuances of the uh, of uh, any of the criticism. You know, it's not just about results, performances too. But for him, that's the platform on uh, on uh, which to build. You know, and, and in his mind, he couldn't possibly have got closer because City have spent so much money and all of that, you know. The the truth in that argument, of course, will have to come next season because it cannot be a 16 or 13-point victory next season. No. Um, so there the were three big points. So anyway, West Brom game, I mean, we could then see maybe a bit more wholesale changes. Maybe we'll see Lindelof in for Smalling um, in the back four. Uh, maybe... Maybe Luke Shaw will get a game lol. No, only kidding. Um, but maybe we'd see uh, a McTominay instead of Matic, for example, potentially. I think that's unlikely. Um, Matic seems to play every game. Uh, but maybe Alexis will be rested and we'll see Rashford or Martial getting a start, which would be really nice. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess one of these games. I mean, it's a week to the West Brom game, so... Uh, a bit of rest there. One of the Bournemouth the West Brom game, there'll there'll be some changes and and freshen people up. I mean, but you'd it, think, given how badly United played against Spurs at Wembley last time, you know, you mm. want to give yourself every chance. By the way, I guess we'll talk about this a bit next week, but it really does not seem fair that the neutral venue United are playing Spurs at is the ground that is serving as Spurs' home ground this season. That, that just seems a bit odd. Yeah, uh, I know, but you know, for finite for ni- financial reasons, the FA um, chose Wembley as the semi-final venue a few years back. You know, they need the they needed the income to pay for Wembley. Yeah, but like they've had the income from Spurs all season. This season, they could have given could have cut Villa Park some slack. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm... true. I mean, I mean, it 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 is their home ground, but they won't have any more fans there than United. I think. No. The sets of fans are getting about, you know, 2,000 tickets or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so back to West Brom. Do they yeah. have any <coughs> decent players? <coughs> Go on, name no, one. Johnny Evans. Johnny Evans, Johnny. mate. Do Top they have five any decent the players that don't get shit-faced till four in the morning? <laughs> They've got the greatest professional in the history of association football, Gareth Barry. I mean, he might have got drunk and stolen the taxi, but apart from that. It's a it's great a, story, though. It's still a great story. It is. I mean, honestly, it is a really... It is a good story in that it's hilarious, but also it is indicative of absolutely appalling undercurrents of entitlement. Yeah, right. Uh, you know. Um, so, no, I mean, Solomon Rondon is fine. as a, He's not like a bad big man up front, is he? Like, you know, he, he well, could be... he's got six be, goals he, all season, so that suggests he's pretty I, bad. I mean... Uh, you, but like you wouldn't want to be judging a striker based on goals. No, you don't. No, no, no. Like I would like to see how many chances those, like how many good chances those six goals have come from. Um, but yeah, good good players are in really. I mean, they, in the summer when they signed Gregor uh, Krakow. You know, the Polish lad. Um, <laughs> I apologise for that. I just genuinely don't know how to pronounce his name properly. Um, and, and, you know, they, they got Jay Rodriguez and it looked like maybe Claudio Jakob's been a, a fine Premier League defensive midfielder for a long time. So uh, it did look like it was possible that they would do something. I mean, when Pardew's kind of big gambit was to take Daniel Sturridge on loan and then he got immediately injured in the immediate kind of aftermath of that, that was... Uh, 
was a little bit unfortunate, wasn't it? Hmm. Six goals from 65 shots, Salomon Rondon. Uh, I can That's... look up his personal XG if you want if you're yeah, interested if, you, if you've got yeah if you've got time yeah yeah well you know while we're you know did, we, you can't do dead air on a podcast but you can do rambling while clicking around the internet <laughs> and also you can do dead air because when you've got an incredible producer who cuts it out and makes it sound like we're talking vaguely coherently every week uh Salomon rondon's uh xg is six point three three for the season so he's on course well, hey. <laughs> there you go see I knew it. I knew Salomon Rondon was all right. I mean, there is an argument, of course, that when a striker's XG is really low, it's partly his own personal responsibility. Um, but no, I, I think they've been a very bad team all season. You know, it was really funny seeing Pardew at the press conference. So the last press conference I went to was West Brom away. Um, and like that would be the last one I ever go to. Um, but it was it was just funny, like... Um, Pardew said the players will have learned a lot from our post-match team talk and I just like was sat there looking at him like do you really believe that the players just learned a lot from your post-match team talk because I'm going to call that a long shot Alan Pardew um, and it does not appear that his players have learned a lot from their post-match team talk that week no, I so mean, who's, uh, would you take Johnny Evans back three million uh, pound clause in his contract swapping I mean, for Chris Smalling a hundred percent a hundred percent Johnny Evans is a better defender than Chris Morling. Like, I'm not really into personal like player versus player arguments, but I don't see how there's really any debate about whether Johnny Evans is better than Chris Morling or not. Uh, player versus player argument for you. Uh, whose overhead was better, Rooney Shinner or Cristiano Ronaldo's in midweek? I mean, I'm having Dimitar Berbatov's over both of them, frankly. Dimitar Berbatov meant exactly what he did. Keep you like up the and then did it, yeah. Exactly. I mean, um, Tom Victor, uh, football writer Tom Victor, did a really nice roundup of like the 10 best overhead kicks of all time, and they're all really nice. I, I, Ronaldo scored that amazing goal. And then just like it strolls off like, yeah, I do this every week. It's like, no, you don't, Cristiano Ronaldo. Most of the time when you try that, you sky it, look happy. And then all his mates gathered around him and he did a few laughs and smiles and kind of like made himself more human, which was nice. But uh, yeah, very, I mean, obviously it's an amazing goal from an excellent player. From one of the top 10 best players of all time, probably. Right. Uh, So um, after West Brom, Bournemouth, are we previewing that now or next week? No, I mean, the the theory is, just to let the listeners behind the curtain, Ed is flying to the west coast of the States on the Sunday. We've just booked in a time in both of our diaries to record the podcast on the following Monday. The Bournemouth game's on the Wednesday, so it'll depend on whether, A, we're able to record as planned, and B, uh, Tom's able to get the show out quickly enough that it'll be ahead of the Bournemouth game. So we could at least touch upon that just so we've covered it in the event that the game, the recording comes out a bit late or on the Tuesday and people don't get a chance to listen. Um, I I think the West Brom game... It's so reductive, but I don't see any other way of saying it. This is exactly the kind of game we've been excellent in all season. It's the kind of game we can afford to... I mean, obviously the players can't afford to take it for granted, but it is reasonable to just assume that United is just going to win that game. They're going to totally dominate possession, create tons of chances and score goals, Lukaku hat-trick sort of territory, you know. Yeah, and all you need to know about Bournemouth uh, is they've got a nice young English manager... In Eddie Howe, and then comfortably mid-table. Yeah, and and that one, I mean, <laughs> the last time I remember, I don't remember what has happened since this game, but the thing about Bournemouth, oh yeah, of course, like so last season Bournemouth away was the first game of the season. Zlatan Ibrahimovic's debut and he scored that lovely daisy cutter. Mata scored that weird goal with all the bouncing off the players. I think we went 1-0 down and ended up winning 3-1. Um and it was, you know, it was it was kind of incongruous surroundings to see Ibrahimovic make his debut. And afterwards, I was in the mix zone and just all the players walked past all the press. Like, literally, every United player just completely ignored the press, except for Zlatan, who had an enormous scrum around him. It was kind of cool to see. Um, but then the, the thing that Bournemouth away really makes you think about is Fellaini's goal off his knees um, <laughs> yeah. the, the season before in the game we lost. Cool. Um, well, uh, I think we'll get to a we'll get to a podcast next week, um, mm-hmm. given the time zone differences. I'm sure it'll be possible. Yep. Just about. 
Uh, and I guess that wraps up for this week. Thank you for listening, listeners. You don't sound like um, Pat Butcher anymore or Marvin the Paranoid Robot. Uh, it's amazing the difference a week and Manchester United winning 3-2 in the derby after being 2-0 behind makes to the general tone of a podcast. Isn't it just? Uh, uh, almost so predi- guarantee that West Brom will win at Old Trafford now. Nah, come on. Predictions? Uh, well, it's going to be 4-0 FC. Um, I'm predicting that Shane turns on Daniel Bryant. No, never mind. Um, uh, I'm predicting 2-0 United because we've... We've become 2-0 FC a bit of late. Yeah, it'll be down to a 10-point gap by the time Spurs (laughs) Spurs take on City in the uh, evening kickoff. It's on. It's on, ladies and gentlemen. It's on. It's not on. It's not on. But today was immensely fun. I hope you've enjoyed the show. It'll be a 7-point gap. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. I'm reading it the wrong way around. City play first. They're going to lose. And there'll be a 10-point gap. Okay, great. Listeners, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your patience while we were away. Um, like we said last week, hopefully the schedule should be regular between now and the end of the season. And especially for those of you who back the show, um, hopefully the fact that there'll be regular podcasts throughout the summer um, because we'll do World Cup stuff and I think we'll probably do some transfer stuff as well. Uh, not going to have too much break. We'll have a couple of weeks, obviously. Um, we'll hopefully make up a little bit for how... Uh, sporadic the show's been uh, this season because I've been struggling to be able to talk. All right. Uh, And with that, we'll see you next week. See you next week. The Rankcast is brought to you by the people who choose to back us over at patreon.com slash rankcast. Um, This week, the bonus content for backers of $5 plus VAT or above level uh, was about Iconic United shirt numbers above the number 12. It was um, eight years to the day yesterday, I think, that Federico Mercado scored that goal against Aston Villa. Uh, I had to look it up because everyone was uh, bringing it up on my uh, my timeline. He has scored, since those goals, 32 across eight seasons for eight different clubs. Oh, I mean, a, wow. a man who certainly did not have the career that anyone thought he was going to Currently go on to have. playing in Serie B. Yep, uh, and not the iconic number 27 who is primarily no. associated with Manchester United. Mad that there is any number in this list that goes to Marouane Fellaini, but it does. I'm, uh, not... I'm not having that. M- Mikael Silvestre. Oh, you know? all right. I'm going to use your words against you here, Ed. Me and you sat in your old seats in what was not yet the Alex Ferguson stand, watching Man United 2, Newcastle 1, the game Rooney scored that amazing goal in. Newcastle went 1-0 up on that game, in that game, and, and it was at the far end from where we were, so we didn't have a very good view of that goal. And you said, I'll guarantee you anything you like, Mikel Silvestre made the mistake for that. And then we watched it on Match of the Day and lo and behold, Mikel Silvestre made the mistake for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he always had a mistake in him, but no one could hit a crossfield ball like Mikel Silvestre. (laughs)